Here we are with another edition of Dark Man Live. Just kidding. It is uh, about 6.30 on uh, December 20th, 2013. And it's about 41 degrees outside. The damnest thing. I cannot explain it. Yesterday was about 27 degrees, something like that. Today... 40. It's wild. Um, well, at least Google Glass says it's 41 degrees. It feels a little chilly. I hate to call it a liar, but it seems a little colder than 40 degrees. At the same time, it's a lot warmer than it has been, so yay. I did not get any words done. I actually slept until six. And lest you, lest you should start chiding me about it, I will say that I had a very, very good reason. I stayed up until about midnight <coughs> working on the last episode of Invito Rex. Very last episode of the Invito Rex podcast is now in the can. It is out there in the wild. Choose your own preposition. It is out. I am done. When I say I'm done. There's lots of other stuff. I mean, I got to convert the bit rate and all the ID3 tags before I can send it off to patio books. And even then, I got to get an email to Evo, and Evo's got to set up an account, and all that kind of stuff. <coughs> Hopefully it'll be easier than normal, because, I mean, easier than a new author, because I've already got an account set up, and just have to create a new little thing for this book. Hopefully. Anyway. Excuse me. Anyway, so I was working on that and they had a new uh, what's the name? They had a new uh, downloadable content thing for the uh, I can't think of it. Borderlands. Borderlands 2. That this one was based on Christmas. Mercenary Day. And uh, so, a celebrating finishing podcast by taking on whole new levels of Christmas cheer references to uh, let's see <coughs> I know I saw Grinch stole Christmas references I don't know what else there was uh, during the big boss fight I heard a lot of the little guys shouting oh what fun you know as they're coming after you and I think at times I 
heard his uh, attack sound as Kwanzaa, which uh, which was kind of funny. <sighs> I didn't beat it though. I walked in to the boss battle with four million dollars, and I didn't beat it. Drained me all the way down to where I was too poor to buy ammo. So... That stinks. I'll give it another shot later on. Let's try different weapons, see if I can find something. kind of bugs me because these little mini episode things I've done pretty well with them so far. It's been like two or three hours. But they've gotten progressively harder. The Waddle Gobbler was a lot harder to kill than the uh, uh, Jack-O-Lantern guy and Frosty the boss fight was much harder to kill. feel bad for Allie because she had to sit there and while she's reading her book I'm swearing like a sailor at it at the video game yesterday. We had leftovers. We uh, sat around. I got to watch an episode of Breaking Bad, which I always love. Uh, one of our friends came by because she was leaving town. She needed somebody to watch over her cats. And so we showed her the new sofa. We had to get a new sofa after the dog completely ruined our last one. Morning. Ugh. That's the other dog. Not Mr. Jasper here.
So, uh, Allie asked me yesterday, did, did Nathan talk about cliffhangers on his morning walk? And I'll admit, I hadn't listened to the latest one, so I was like, oh man, yikes, that could be bad. I mean, not like bad, like, oh man, I hope he doesn't do it. I mean, bad, like, yeah, I can imagine he spends some time telling people don't do it. Because he was plenty ticked at me. I felt bad about that. I told him, you know, if I knew that people were going to have this violent a reaction, I would have reworked it. Because I could have had a little bit of a denouement that explains it better. Not explains it, I mean, it's pretty obvious what happens, but I mean, gives people a better idea of what happened with the story directly after. So that they know how the cliffhanger was to be resolved. I gotta admit, though, I keep thinking of uh, George R. R. Martin's books. Builds you, he gets you to believe in a character, he builds them up, and then, boom, dead. Leaving you with nothing but a half dozen storylines that are unfinished. It makes you feel like, what's the point? There's nothing left. And then you realize that those side characters and their stories were actually fairly compelling. But the thing is, it doesn't, he doesn't write stories that just flat out end, you know? Have a big explosive end and then, well, end. They're just continuation on the story, you know? That was kind of how I saw this thing. Bad stuff happens, yes but it doesn't end as such. We just reach, and honestly, compared to uh, George R. R. Martin's books, mine has a pretty big ending. I mean, mine would be like, if they drop the axe on Eddard Stark and then suddenly you fade to black. That kind of cliffhanger. Or, my current favorite example, The Desolation of Smaug. Which I consider to be a pretty bad cliffhanger. I mean, it's one thing if you were to say 
all of this was leading up to the battle with Smaug. And let's face it, the attack on Lake Town could be done in about 10 minutes with lavish visuals and people rushing about. And if you think it isn't that important, I mean, if you think it, it is that important that it should have a lot more time, you know, the battle with Smaug, and I'll grant you, it was a big deal. It is basically the whole reason that people paid their money is to see the end of Smaug. But, uh, but if you believe that's important, then you'd want to see the ending, that local end, even more. Specifically, you could do the entire fight in about 10 minutes. Let's give it 20 minutes. Let's give it half an hour. This is like a two or three hour movie. You can give it half an hour. Where will you get that time? Oh, I don't know. How about the 20 minutes that you spent with the escape from the elves? Story part, which was, let's face it, not the biggest deal. Not the most interesting part in the actual Hobbit. Finding the spiders was a much bigger deal. But Mr. Jackson doesn't want that because he wants the story to be about orcs. Orcs who weren't even in the actual Hobbit. With a villain who wasn't even in the actual Hobbit. Who was working for a villain who wasn't even in the actual Hobbit. And he wants to spend time showing that they're protected by a hero who wasn't even in the actual Hobbit. Because he's fighting for the love of another hero who wasn't even in the actual, or wasn't in any of the books. So, basically, you could have made this a stronger movie with a stronger ending by sticking with the story and keeping out... I mean, you can make room by calling out a bunch of the stuff that wasn't actually in the original Hobbit. I liked seeing the skin changer. That was cool. That was one of those, hey, I didn't expect that they would actually deal with the original story. I liked the meeting between Gandalf and Thorin. One of those things that you go like, hey, that wasn't in the original Hobbit, and it's awesome. All of this is good. It's the stuff that's made to support other movies. Not to support the books, but to support other movies. Because you decided to go a direction that was clearly not part of the original book. That's what bugs me. That, and I think Evangeline Lilly was poorly used. Morning. Seems like everybody's wearing reflective vests. Says the guy who was almost hit by a car yesterday.
when I got home, that was all anybody had to say. I mean, I'm not trying to sound peevish here, but I go home and I say, hey, it was wild. I was nearly hit by this car. And uh, the EP says, what were you wearing? So I was wearing this. He said, so you weren't wearing any reflective clothing. And immediately this was like, oh, it's Brand's fault. And don't get me wrong, I was saying it's Brand's fault from like a minute after it happened. I got proof. But it just kind of surprised me that I get home and the first thing the EP was doing was assigning blame. Started feeling really peevish about it then. I was like, oh no, thank you. I'm perfectly fine. But I appreciate you asking. Then I go upstairs and I tell my wife, I say, hey, it's kind of wild. I was almost hit by a car. And she said, well, it was a side street coming onto a main street. They don't see you coming, and they're gonna go to a rolling stop. A lot of people don't expect to see people there, so they might skip the uh, stop sign entirely. And I was like, um, okay, what, what do you say? Well, you should expect that to happen. And once again, nobody's saying, are you okay? Gosh, that must have been terrible. Any of that kind of stuff. It's just, well, of course, it's all your fault. And don't get me wrong, I'm not arguing that point. It was my fault. I should have been watching for them my job to watch for cars just as much as it's their job to stay alert but I don't know I didn't make a big thing about it but I did feel kind of upset feel like a prima donna even mentioning it. Oh well. This gets me no closer to joy. There was a uh, phrase. Nathan says that he got it from me, but I'm sure I got it from somewhere else. We, we found it online, and it was, I think, Joseph Campbell. And it was something like, find your joy. <coughs> Seek out the joy. Pursue your joy. The idea being that in any situation, what you should be doing first is finding a way 
to make people happy. And while that sounds silly and saccharine and very McDonald's-level philosophy, there's a lot to be said for it, because the first thing it does is it says I'm not trying to blame anyone. I'm not trying to punish anyone for things that happened. I'm saying that given the current situation right now, how can I make the most people happy? And as a general rule of thumb of just things that... (coughs) Good starting points for finding the best way around a problem. It's not bad. Just an easy rule of thumb for how do I find the best way to become happy and to make others around me happy. And while it sounds like a silly goal, it's a really, really good way of making sure that you have long-term peace. Make yourself happy, make everybody else happy, and you will have peace. That gets into Lincoln's thing about the best way to destroy an enemy is to make him your friend. Gets into what am I going to do? I'm bored. Find your joy. Gets into which of these things am I going to choose? Find your joy. One of the funny things about it is a lot of times when we're given a choice, we honestly don't care. And we will fight for one decision or another just because we can't think of an answer. What do you want to eat for dinner? I really don't care, but I'm going to fight for one answer or another just because this is the first thing that occurred to me. And by God, people should do what I want to do. I've seen that happen a lot. And I think it's tied in with pride. But, uh, but if you ask yourself, what do I really want? Which one gets me to joy? Then you find, no, I really don't care. How can I make others? If I'm not going to be happy, because I don't care one way or the other, why am I not just going with the things that make others happy? Gives you an opportunity to say, sometimes I'm going to make choices based on nothing more than I think it'll help other people. And of course, it's a great deal of joy to be found in helping other people.
So anyway, long time ago, found that phrase, tried to make it like a watchword, find the joy. Seek out the joy. <laughs> a lot of people think it's weird that I say that's a stoic belief. A lot of people think of stoics as being very morose, neutral people. It's really not the case. We're not neutral. We're just trying to recognize the things that we love and how they differ from the things that we fight for. That's not right either. A stoic tries to get happiness and mental stability at all times. They try to use the smallest amount of effort to get to the greatest amount of... Joy sounds too simplistic. A long time ago I said I will endeavor to live so as not to regret which has two parts to it. First is, I'm gonna to try to live a life that makes me not regret the decisions I made. There's a certain amount of responsibility there. But there's a second part, which recognizes I'm gonna run into problems. I'm gonna do things that I wasn't proud of, that I need to fix if I can so that I won't regret it. And then a third part says, look, I did things. I can't fix them, but I will not dwell. I will not let it bother me. I will not hold it inside me. That kind of thing. And that kind of thinking means I realize I made mistakes, but I'm not going to sit and regret it. I'll fix the things I can, but I won't sit and wring my hands over the things that I can't fix. And we all know that platitude, the prayer for temperance understanding and whatnot. I think they call it the serenity prayer. All right. Jasper, come here. Sit. Stay. Yeah, you can face me. Good boy, sit. Stay. We have, as you can guess, Mr. Jasper with us today. Lovely. Thank you, puppy. Don't know if I mentioned that earlier.
starting to believe that 40 degrees. Been out walking for a little bit and now I'm hot. Feeling like my knit cap is a bit of a stupid move. As is wearing gloves. Oh well. I'll get by. So what else is going on? I finished the InVitoRx podcast. That's up on the RSS feed. It's up on my website. I need to do the print version. I need to do, for the first time ever, hardback versions. Because there are people asking for that. And i got to set up some system for getting signed versions out there. <sighs> Don't have a lot of fans, but the ones I have are really avid, good people. And uh, thankful for that. <sighs> Let's see. So I gotta do the print version. I gotta do the patio books version first. I gotta get it so the patio books works. We are gonna have way too much light pollution to see it, but out in the distance, that is one stunning sunrise. I don't think this camera is really capturing it, but it's pretty flippin' amazing. Ah, uh, let's see. You almost think the winter was over as quickly as the mornings are brightening. So, let's see, I gotta finish up on patio books. I gotta do the uh, print version on, uh, was that CreateSpace? Yeah. That one's going to be a little tricky because I have to generate QR codes for each of the chapters. I'm going to do a little design that uh, uses a border on a QR code that goes to the top of every chapter. The QR code, if you select it, will take you to the web page so that if you're reading the print version, you got a smartphone, you click it, and you can automatically go to the audio version. Which, it's worth noting that once I get up on Pontio Books, I'm going to switch out their audio version from mine so that we can have the clicks and everything. It'll show up as. I want to have a single unified place that people get audio from so that I can track them with analytics and whatnot. I'm not saying it's like a bad thing, I'm saying it's like I want to know how many people are listening. Right now, I have no clue. I am shouting down a well. But, uh, yeah. So, do the print version, have to do the hardback version, and there are a couple of other versions that don't have hardbacks. 
need to fix that. And uh, that's going to be a little expensive. You got to get galleys from all of them. You have to say yes or no. And while I have to do that anyway, on uh, Create Space, it's much more expensive on Lulu. It's part of the reason I didn't figure anybody was going to want the. Uh, hardback version because it is so much more expensive but there you go people man and of course if I ever get a publisher it'll be their problem <laughs> anyway What else? Uh, the auto version, finished for audio books, the print version, the hardbacks. <sighs> Can't think of anything else. I've already done the ebook versions for everything. Need to create a pay hip site for all of the books or Gumroad, you know, whichever one they're both doing the same kind of thing. Pay hip seems to be more ebook oriented, so I'm tempted to go that route, but uh, I don't know, it doesn't seem like a major push because. Very few people buy direct from the author. They feel more secure with buying from Amazon. And I guess I get that for the print version. I would certainly trust Amazon to do the print version more than I would random author guy. But uh, I'll admit I don't get the need to do that on the ebook version. <sighs> Didn't even slow down. Oh well. So. What else? What what after that? The uh, audiobook for Discount Miracles? Possibly. I don't know, by the time I get all of that done, I may be ready to start editing The Cut First King. I'm already at about, what, 37, 40,000 words? Which I'll grant you is behind my goal. I need to write a little goal chart. See where I should be at each point. I started talking about beat charts with uh, Nathan the other day. He's a pantser, so he doesn't really believe in them. 
and I'm slowly coming to terms with being a panther. I mean, I've still got my outlines, but every outline I've written, I've had to edit over and over and over and over again. So, I don't know, man. Morning. That was Power Walker. <coughs> Power Walker, Mama Rosa. That lady's so fast. She does a three minute egg in two minutes. But I'm bumps. I'm at about 37 minutes now. So, oh, and of course, low battery. So if I get cut off, of course, I apologize and hope to see you tomorrow. Um, yeah, but let's see, 37 minutes. Bye by 2.15, uh, 18 and a half, 18 and a half, 19 I guess. Wait, 99 is 18, so that'd be 38. So I'm doing alright. Corgi! Alright, come over here, buddy. Let us let the corgi go by. Morning. I find that when you're a creepy looking dude walking around in the early morning, there's nothing that diffuses the situation like crying corgi at the top of your lungs. That could be useful in battle. You know? You want the enemy to underestimate you? Shout, Corgi! Then stab him. Sounds like the world's most obscure serial killer. Lulls people into a false sense of security by shouting, Corgi! Anyway. Beat sheets. I was talking about that. I was talking about that with Nathan. In case you don't know what that is, it's a writer's device. I've never used it. I'm thinking about it. Thinking about massaging Cut Purse King into that format where you have a sheet of paper that says first X number of words, you have to do this. Next X number of words, you have to do that and so on. And the impression I get is that <coughs> they're loose enough that, you know, it's within 20,000 words you have to commit, I mean, you have to complete this goal. Within the next 20,000 words you have to do this. And so, if you give me an entire novella in which to get a goal across, I could probably do that. 
And the idea is that the beat sheet is built off of successful books. So they know how it's supposed to be done. How people are expecting to have their books open up for them. And that, of course, is where we're the most suspect. He's a pantser, and I'm slowly becoming one. And as such, <coughs> it messes with our uh, timing, messes with our planning to say, all right, I have to do this in the next 5,000 words. I don't know. Um, we have reached the door now. And so I will wish you all a fond day and hope to see you tomorrow. It'll be brighter then because it'll be Saturday. See ya.